In the holy name of Jesus, amen. It was a very exciting to have Jesus here at Christmas, and after that we were happy to see the wise men come along at Epiphany to Bethlehem. But maybe we were so happy that we really didn't pay enough attention when Jesus asked them to take another way home. However, through the last six weeks of Epiphany, we have begun to find out what another way home actually looks like. In the early weeks of Epiphany, Jesus was busy being ordained at his baptism and then ordaining pastors right behind him, putting them into place, Philip and Nathaniel and Simon and Andrew and James and John. After that, Jesus went on his way preaching and teaching and casting out demons and healing the sick, including Peter's mother-in-law, who notably, once she was healed, immediately got up to serve him. He also made sure to pause to rest and pray at regular intervals, all alone and in desolate places. Along the way, this other way home, people began to notice that there was something different about Jesus. He wasn't like their scribes or Pharisees. Jesus had a certain gravitas. He walked with purpose. He spoke and acted decisively and honestly. And he taught with an authority they had never seen before. Finally, last week on the last Sunday of Epiphany, we got the news that another way home is not always a smooth way home. Jesus met a leper, and he healed him, and he charged him sternly. The text goes out of its way to make that point, with the sense that what was about to happen was a matter of very high stakes. He charged him sternly to go show the priest what had happened to him so he could be restored to his church and to his family but he was not to talk with anybody about the healing. So Jesus says, go, do, and don't talk. But as you know, the leper went, talked, and didn't do. At the end of that story, Jesus is clearly disappointed. But Jesus doesn't damn the leper or take his healing back. Still, the leper ruined Jesus' rhythm. Because the leper could not follow instructions, he turned Jesus and his world upside down. Now, instead of going into town to work, and out of town into desolate places to pray, Jesus gets so popular so fast that he can't move around freely anymore, and he even gets mobbed during his downtime. People follow him out to the desolate places, and he ends up working when he should be resting. This Sunday, with the Transfiguration, Epiphany has come to an end. But the green season of the church 
has introduced us to a tension that is always present here. It goes like this. We really, really like Jesus. And Jesus really, really likes us. But sometimes we get a little bit too familiar and we presume a bit too much and we do not listen as we ought. Like the leper, we sometimes ignore Jesus and sometimes even seek to bend or deflect him. And so we go off-road and try to find our own way home. So here's the tension. Everybody in this room wants, and believe me, everybody in this room needs what a friend we have in Jesus. But everybody here, every last one of us, also needs another side of Jesus. The morphing, changing, transfiguring, and sometimes terrifying side of Jesus that we meet on the mountain today. We all need that whether we want it or not. If we want to keep Christmas and Epiphany and Lent and especially Easter, if we want to take another way home following the Magi to the new Eden, then we need everything that Jesus has got without editing. And we need it full blast. Okay, true confessions. Sometimes late at night on feast days, the pastors throw caution to the wind and do whatever they want, sort of. You can understand this, I hope. It's a bit like having a Ferrari. Sometimes late at night, you've just got to sneak it out of the garage and actually find out what 12 cylinders and six speeds and 540 horsepower at 7,200 RPM actually feels like. <laughs> so sometimes late at night, on the feast days, when only the liturgical red hots are here, we actually genuflect at the Eucharist. Why? Transfiguration. Why? Because at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Because at the Eucharist, the whole Jesus, fleshly, friendly, but also morphing, changing, transfiguring, and terrifying, has come to play. And when Jesus comes to play, one part of the play is going face down in recognition and reverence and awe and even terror that the holiness of God has come into our midst upon our altar in the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ. You can see it in any icon of the transfiguration, even that little pencil drawing that's on the front of the bulletin today, stunned by the realization and the revelation of who Jesus really is. Peter and James and John 
go stumbling and tumbling down the mountain. They're covering their faces and guarding their eyes and crouching and sprawling. They are knocked silly by the brightness and the beauty of God, by the presence and the sight of humanity that is utterly soaked through with divinity. Jesus has his own energy, and it is unlike anything else in all the world. Right now, I'd be surprised if some of you, at least, weren't thinking, what good is that? Life is tough enough without having a scary Jesus breathing down my neck. What good is that? Give me my what a friend we have in Jesus back. Look, the text only says they were terrified. It doesn't say that they were right. After all, there is only terror when we insist on holding on to our sins in the presence of a holy God. So we go slowly. The only Christ you know is the Christ of the cross. And the Christ of the cross is for you, for you, for you, never, ever, ever against you. Even if this week past you've acted more like a leper than Peter's mother-in-law, serving yourself rather than serving Christ, Jesus sorrows and he even gets angry with you, but he does not give up on you. He did not kill Peter and James and John today at the Transfiguration, and he won't kill you either, unless you force him to. Jesus will only be your enemy if you make him be your enemy. He doesn't want to. If you blow yourself up, it's because you blew yourself up and you insisted on your sins. Wondering if Jesus is your enemy is not really the point of Transfiguration Day, however. Maybe that is why the light is so bright on that mountain, because our eyes are so scaled and so dull. Jesus cannot be other than he is, second person of the Trinity in flesh, holy. Humanity utterly soaked through with divinity, energetic stuff. Jesus cannot stop being Christmas. And he will not stop being Lent. And he is going back to Eden by another way. And this morning he's begging all of you to follow right behind him. And if you don't, he's got to keep going because he understands obedience as a gospel word. And he doesn't disobey his father. But he also says to all of you, please come. This would be best for you. Swing in right behind me, right before this transforming, transfiguring, changing, morphing, and even terrifying presence. And this is what you'll find. Only the light of Christ makes the stumbling, tumbling, terrifying pieces of your life coherent. Only the light of Christ shows the way forward. Only the light of Christ 
reveals another way home. It is no accident that in just a few weeks we will meet these very same guys, Peter and James and John, in the Garden of Gethsemane. And crisis reveals character even as it polishes it. And these very same guys, Peter and James and John, will flee their friend Jesus, betraying him as they go their own way out of his light into a devilish darkness. And then Jesus will be carried all alone into the very heart of human terror, an innocent who is nailed to the cross for what others did wrong. But good news, Jesus is a listener and an obeyer, and he follows his Father's other way perfectly. And in turn, Jesus is sustained from the depths of the love of God. And he will rise again on Easter, and he will lead all who are willing to come into an endless journey of divine love. That light and that love overthrows everything terrifying that we presume about God and each other and ourselves. And in the end, it lets us live in his light as grace and have a future together as a community here now in the church full of his possibilities, light and forgiveness and freedom and love and obedience and authority as gospel words and community and comfort and resurrection, all this pure gift, all gospel words if you'll only have them that way, and all the way home along the way of the Magi, another way to a new Eden where our best and our perfect and our radiant friend is waiting. In the holy name of Jesus.